You're listening to the BFOX and BFRANK show as we are recording this. It is opening day of the college basketball season. I'm sure all of you have already watched IUPUI and Spalding start the season. Um, just just really excited to get into it. And uh, we, will, we will have some college basketball talk at the end of the show uh, to, to ease us into it. But before we get there... We have to take a look back at uh, week 10 of the college football season. First week after the initial uh, college football playoff rankings are released, maybe some teams are playing a little tighter. Um, we saw some close calls from teams that were in sort of the, the playoff position. Um, let's start at the top um, out of teams that played ranked matchups. That would be, Georgia taking on Missouri game that not really anticipated being a uh, a big game in the SEC East a month or two ago, but biggest game that Georgia has had to play this season. Close game, but like many have been able to or have, have found out the hard way over the last you know almost three years. It's very hard to beat Georgia. Spirited effort for Missouri. They come up short, thirty to twenty one. Um, I mean, it's it's another game for Georgia. wasn't pretty, but there's just more of the same. Does this kind of change your opinion of of the dogs at all? No, I, I think winning ugly still matters. Like you're still winning games. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Ohio State has won ugly literally the entire season, and they are number one. Uh, I don't believe the Buckeyes are the best team. I would still take Georgia in that conversation uh, between the two. But if you're going to uh, award Ohio State reward, excuse me, Ohio State for winning games like this, then you've got to do the exact same for Georgia. This is a top 15 Missouri team. Very good offensively. They've got a great running back in Schrader who had over 100 yards on the ground, which is not easy to do against this Bulldogs defense. And then for the most part, the Georgia secondary was able to contain and handle Brady Cook uh, through the air. He really did not uh, have his best game in this one, which is Really a theme for Missouri in these big games this year is Brady Cook has struggled uh, to, to get them over the edge. But I don't penalize Georgia whatsoever. I, I think this is a team that really has its biggest games ahead of them. Obviously, they have Ole Miss, a top 10 team coming to town this weekend. They've got a road trip to Tennessee, and then they've got a very now interesting rivalry game against Georgia Tech to close the year. This is a frisky Georgia Tech team. They're not good. But they will, they will get it, get in there and uh, mix things up a little bit. So uh, a team that maybe we both certainly did not expect much from can give the dogs at least a quarter of, of trouble. But I think uh, Georgia still has their biggest games ahead of them. Obviously, the SEC title game, assuming they don't slip up uh, against Ole Miss or Tennessee. But no, I, I, I don't think this, this really hampers how I view the dogs whatsoever. I think it's a game you can look at and take a lot of moral victories for Missouri, honestly, because, mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, Ohio State's had some closer, more competitive games. Washington, the same. Really, the only team that hasn't uh, would be Michigan. But, yeah. you know, have they played a football team yet? It's hard to say. Um, mm -hmm. It's not not exactly a murderous road that they've been running through. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Cody Schrader, good game on the ground. Brady Cook, not so much through the air. But Missouri can, can say, you know, we we were able to match up with Georgia in the trenches, arguably as well as anyone has all year. They 
as a team, obviously behind Schrader leading the way, they outrushed Georgia. They were able to get some good pressure on and Carson Beck at different points. So that's yeah, that that is certainly progress of the program. And you know, they've they've been able to kind of maintain the momentum, the the earlier step back against uh LSU didn't really stay overhead for too long. They were able to brush that off and, and get back to their winning ways. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a plan with house money situation. They're competitive. They they gave Georgia really all they could handle, um, but right. in a way that I think says more about Missouri um, versus some of the Georgia games earlier in the year where they seemed almost be bored and just like playing with their food against like the South Carolinas of the world. Um, I, I think there's there's a lot of takeaways here uh, for Missouri that are positive, even though this didn't end up in a win. Yeah, I mean, if Brady Cook plays a normal-ish game for himself, there's a real chance that Missouri ends up winning that ball game. They're, I mean, they're up in the third quarter. They've got opportunities to take the lead, extend the lead, uh, and he really just did not have his A game. Elsewhere, uh, the, the aforementioned Washington Huskies, 52-42 winners over USC. This was a close one. It was a shootout, as we, we kind of expected it to be. It, it finally brought about change. In the Trojan program, Alex Grinch is gone. Um, just, I, I I don't know if he was doing anything. Allegedly, he was the defensive coordinator. But uh, the yep. the fifth time in six games that USC gave has given up at least forty points. Washington, of course, getting fifty two, even higher than that. I don't have the offensive stat in front of me, but I, I think it's nine straight games or, or longer that USC themselves have scored 30 points. Um, so the, the fact that it's just kind of a, a tilt-a-whirl ride every week, roller coaster, any, any one of those, those carnival rides where you're going up and down, it's, it's just – it's been a struggle. Caleb Williams doing everything he can. He accounted for another four touchdowns in this one. Uh, clearly, the cameras found him beside himself at the end of this one, um, very frustrating. And I get that, like doing everything he can, he's had some bad weeks. This was not one of them. Just the defense mm -hmm. was no match for uh, Dylan Johnson and the Huskies. And that's, that's just been the story of, of USC and kind of the story of just any Lincoln Riley team, um, you know, since he's become a head coach. Yeah, the the stat nine of ten games this season they've scored more than thirty points. Uh, their lowest total was twenty against Notre Dame. They had thirty two in the loss to Utah. Otherwise, they have broken the forty point threshold in every game besides that. So, uh, eight of ten games over forty points. Nine of ten over thirty. And here they are sitting at seven and three, which in anything other than basically like the past. 10-ish years of the Big 12 would seem unthinkable, but that's that's USC football this year. Uh, Caleb Williams, like you said, had a, a really nice game. It, it's the defense, and the, the bigger story for me is that Washington can win games without Michael Penix having to take the top off of defenses. Like, yes, he did do that in this game, 256 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, but Dylan Johnson being able to really carry the load, averaging almost 10 yards a carry, uh, 256 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. The Huskies ran for 316 yards total in this game. It was uh, not as much of the home run hitting as you've seen from this Washington offense, although there were 
uh, a couple of big runs and, and big receptions. I think there were – I'm trying to do the, the tally real quick. Two, three, eight receivers of the ten who caught passes in this game from Penix all went for uh, double-digit yards at some point, which is – uh, showing the explosiveness of this offense, but to be able to add that ground game and really have it carry them in this game was a, a nice change of pace for Washington. Yeah, and I, the the run defense has been really bad for USC this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Utah abused it a couple weeks ago. It's been pretty consistent. Like, obviously, the forgot about the Notre Dame game. That was an off night for the offense. They just want the defense to have an on night once. Mm -hmm. Like that that would be that would be wonderful. But uh yeah, because they you know, as as bad consistently as the defense has been, the offense has has pretty consistently been excellent. It's like you, you can't really just expect them to have this sort of high level of production every week just to give yourself maybe a chance to win. Um that's yeah. just not good football uh, and it's very clear from the beginning like even when usc started off this season very hot um you know kind of the the conversation was you know the other shoe is going to drop this is a pretty fraudulent undefeated team um and you know we can see why on the field every week they're just kind of eking out these wins but uh yeah it's we'll we'll see if anything changes we'll see who they bring in um in the offseason as new defensive coordinator um because yeah, they're. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say they're going to be going up against better defenses in the uh, in the Big Ten because there are a lot of good ones in the Pac-12 this year. But it's going yeah. to be a very just different style of football, shall we mm -hmm. say? Um, which I have lots of thoughts later in the show uh, on that. <laughs> but it, it's going to be it's going to be a different world, um, and you know. It's it's probably not going to fly. Well, it's definitely not going to fly. Um, just kind of playing football like this. So we'll we'll see kind of what direction Riley wants to go to in the off season. Um, I would expect they'll they'll go after pretty big names um, to mm -hmm. try to get this corrected quickly. Yeah, no doubt about that. Elsewhere, Texas survives against Kansas State. Um, Texas surviving, thanks in part to uh, to their defense stepping up uh, late when it mattered. But you were uh, you were calling this, and K State was going to be tricky in this one. Um, didn't look like it early, but rallying from a twenty-seven to seven deficit um, to to force overtime. Will Howard, great game, like as great a, a passing performance as I can remember from a Kansas State offense and in quite a while, but he was, he was really yep. good again in this one against a good defense. And they needed it. The run game could not get anything going credit again to Texas's defense. Like you said, their run defense was superb. They played pretty well in the trenches. I thought, especially the defensive line, um, backup quarterback, being able to get a win over a good Kansas state team, a team that could have maybe should have won this game. Uh, a couple of calls, go uh, a couple of decisions they make go go the wrong way and they lose in overtime but what an entertaining game again big nude saturday continues to deliver and uh yeah it it would be fun to have seen what uh k state could do you know making a little run at the big 12 title had they won this game but uh 
yeah, the 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 voters in the the committee, excuse me, the college football playoff committee are, I guess, prove proven correct uh, this week following some of the results that and decisions that they made. Yeah, let's not let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, so sometimes you gotta you gotta look at a resume and uh, and not just predict what will happen. But yeah, yes, I point taken on on some of them certainly, which well got got some thoughts on those too. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's still a Malik Murphy show, not his best game. Uh, struggled with accuracy through a couple of picks. Um, but it's it's survive in advance, really. Like, tech, yeah. I, I don't think it's changed anything about Texas' position. If they win out, they will probably find their way into the playoff just based on how, you know, the, the teams ahead of them will have to shake out. At, at least a couple of them are going to lose again. Um, I, I think yeah. worst case, they could finish fifth, but Michigan and Ohio State are still going to play each other. Washington, Oregon, probably going to play each other again. Um, mm-hmm. And the Big 12 has opened up nicely. Um, there's a lot less drama with Oklahoma now. Um, obviously, if you play them again, you still have to win, but um, that's that loss is looking more and more fluky every week. Um, so I, I'm sure Texas would love a rematch, but um, yeah. this was one of the few tough opponents they have left. Um, so it's definitely good to get out of here with the win, albeit a little more drama than than Sark would have wanted, I would say. Yeah, no doubt about that. But hey, this time of year, a win's a win. You just got to keep yeah. moving forward. Alabama, LSU, it was kind of a shootout. Did not expect it to to be a, yeah. a shootout, but it was a it was a great uh, quarterback duel. Uh, Milro and Daniels, really more so on the ground. Uh, Milro just tore up the defense. Four rushing touchdowns um, for him. Daniels over a hundred yards on the ground as well. Of course, didn't didn't finish the game. Left with an injury, so his numbers even for a partial game still outstanding, but um, not as, not as great as, as they could have been. Um, I mean, crazy that almost identical stat lines passing uh, between yeah. the two quarterbacks. Um, so they were, you know, Milro going up against LSU defense. That is a great confidence boost because they are not great. Um, Daniels is outstanding. Um, the, like, this injury for Daniel stopped a pretty incredible streak LSU. That's like, they're just Eastern USC. This was, uh, they had coming into the game. They had seven straight games of 500 or more yards. Um, that was snapped because they only quote unquote got 478 in this one. <laughs> so off night defense couldn't, couldn't get a stop. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Nick Saban's still king, and Alabama is is not dead. No, not not in the slightest. Uh, yeah, I I think that the two biggest takeaways are I was dead wrong on this game. I I said if it came became a shootout that LSU wins it. I was wrong, plain and simple. Um, but yeah, like this is this is huge for Milrow. Like I think confidence wise in the passing game more than anything. It doesn't matter necessarily that he only had 219 yards and didn't throw a touchdown pass. He didn't throw an interception, and I think that's the biggest key. He knows or everyone knows what he can do with his legs. We saw it big time this past weekend, um, but 
the opportunities that it now gives Tommy Reese in this offense to to kind of throw out there all the different wrinkles and things that they can do uh, as they get really into the meat of their schedule. Uh, this is, you know, this is the opportunity. They've got a huge, huge, huge battle at home against Chattanooga in two weeks. I know that's one everyone's circling on the calendar. Um, but no, Kentucky's a solid team. Auburn has been uh, up and down this year, but has been in a couple of games. And then there's always that looming possibility for uh, an SEC title matchup with Georgia. So uh, a lot a lot still to play for, and Alabama looks lively, to say the least. Yeah, it's uh, peaking at the right time. This, this is allegedly the same football team that used two non-Jalen Milrow quarterbacks to win 17-9 <laughs> against South Florida. Um, yes. Like, they they have come a long way, and, and – Again, like the the low watermark of the season for Nick Saban is, of course, a win because they did win that game. But mm-hmm. uh, they, yeah, they they look great. They they look like they're rounding into form. And, and yeah, like to to reach the ultimate goal, they'll have to get through Georgia anyway. So you know, playing in the SEC uh, championship game that's uh, that's what it looks like. We are looking towards um unless yeah. some crazy shenanigans occur um that's that's most likely going to be the outcome but yeah big big win over over lsu and uh good performance from milrow that i'm sure saban will will keep referencing going forward to, to try to keep that confidence high mm-hmm. uh good the bad and the ugly i i will start with my good once again oklahoma state Last scheduled Bedlam, uh, they they win it um, behind nation's leading rusher Ollie Gordon, two touchdowns. Um, I mean, this is obviously a great feeling. Just beating Oklahoma as a final fu before they leave the conference, and I know Mike Gundy of all people is fired up about that. Also, again, fifth straight win. Um, yeah. Only one only one loss in conference to Iowa State. They have not lost since. Um, this is a team now that could kind of finagle its way into Big 12 title opportunity, um, which, again, crazy to think about when they were just sitting at 2-2 two and two after getting blasted by South Alabama and losing to, you know, an ugly – not very good, uh, certainly not one of Matt Campbell's better Iowa State teams, but here we find ourselves. They, they, are, they are good, turns out. Yeah, yeah, and who would have thought that Alan Bowman would pretty much outduel Dylan Gabriel in this game, a guy that was really looked at as a game manager, someone to, to just kind of keep, keep things moving on the offensive side of the ball, has a really nice game, 334 yards uh, through the air, helps take some of the pressure off of Ali Gordon, who, like you mentioned, nation's leading rusher, uh, someone that is an absolute workhorse, yet another in a long line of those running backs that Mike Gundy and his team have been able to churn out. Uh, and yeah, it's it's big time to get this win. Uh, finally, it seems, in uh, in the Bedlam series. It was it was long overdue for for the pokes here. Yeah, it's uh it, it's an opportunity, hopefully, to see Mike Gundy in more high-profile uh, games. So that's yeah. that's just a uh, always a plus. 
that's just something to potentially look forward to. And also, like, Spencer Sanders didn't have to transfer. He could have been a part of this. Um, yeah. And, and now he's just can't even get on the field at Ole Miss. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that's definitely a, a what if, too. Not trying to twist the knife for a boy, but that's uh that's definitely something I've been thinking about as the as the wins keep stacking up. Yeah. You you have to wonder what the early season would have looked like with him still on that team. What uh what was your good from last week? I did have that, but I'll give a shout out to the team that I feel like I've called uh called out many times in this section throughout the season so, so far, but Arizona. Wildcats yeah. are bowling, they pick up another their third straight top 20 win of the season. Uh, their losses, again, are just a couple of one-score games against Mississippi State, Washington, and USC. And they've got a pretty decent schedule to close it out. At Colorado, Utah will be a tough one, no doubt about it. Uh, and then at Arizona State in that rivalry game. But this could be a nine-win Arizona team, possibly with 10 on the horizon in a bowl game. So, Huge, huge credit down in the desert uh, for that turnaround midseason, really all because of an injury. Yeah, I mean, that's that's setting up for, for eight wins. I, I mean, Colorado's reeling. Arizona State's reeling. They just lost by a million to Utah. Uh, yeah. And Utah is tough. So, I yeah. mean, e- either way, though, like Arizona has been – once they've gotten on this roll, they have been pretty darn consistent. They have played good competition. They've beaten good competition. Um, and that's that that is the the blessing and the curse of the the Pac 12 this year. You know, if you're struggling, you're gonna get a tough game every week. If you're playing well, you have an opportunity for a great win every week. And they have yeah. taken advantage of that and, and just been picking off everybody. Um, deservedly getting into the uh AP poll this week, I would expect um getting recognition in the uh playoff rankings uh when those come out later this week but yeah they've they've been rolling like we we keep shouting them out they keep uh they keep beating ranked teams so yeah now i don't know that there would be a chance for them to move into the top 11 or whatever they would need to be but that is something again that we all need to keep an eye on for next season as as playoff expands because a team can get hot after a couple early losses and, and find their way into the playoff next year Oklahoma State is another example of that. Although I don't know, I don't know that getting blasted like they did by South Alabama would uh, be the resume point that they necessarily want or could uh, overcome with some of these wins. Arizona, I think it's a little too late without just some all-time chaos ball happening. Yes. Uh, Oklahoma State, like next year, Oklahoma State would be just a fascinating mm-hmm. thought experiment if they just found a way to have the same exact season, which I know is not possible since, you know, this was the last bedlam, but just theoretically speaking. Yeah. Like this is a team that's if, if they were to end the season with uh, three more wins. um, Yeah. The, the The problem for them is they'd probably be in the top 11 and then lose to Texas and get bumped out or something Something where you'd like almost just rather not even play in the conference championship game. Right. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's something that's going to be fun to monitor going forward. Um, I, I think everyone to a man around college football this season has said, like, just look at how this is shaping up. This would be a great year to have a 12-team a playoff. Um, so the the support is there. It's logical. It's, it's what mm-hmm. we wanted. Like, four teams is not a playoff. That's just... 
It's just not. Uh, it's an invitational. So, yeah, it's it, it it is an MTE, uh, yes. as they as they like to say in college basketball parlance. But uh, yeah, we're we're moving in the right direction. Um, so bad, you you may have heard of them before, but it's the Big Ten West. They they are they are not good. Came into the day four way tie for first with, of course, Iowa, Minnesota lost to Illinois' backup QB, Nebraska was like Nebraska was tied for first in the Big Ten West. That that enough is merits bad. Uh, a bad, yeah. but they lost to Michigan State, who has just been a, a dumpster bad. file. Um, Wisconsin. Loses to Indiana. Um, just absolute tough scene after tough scenes. Like when your best teams are losing to the scourge of the Big Ten East, and like they're down there for a reason. They're not good football teams. Um, you get a capital B bad rating. And now Iowa is back alone in first in uh, in the Big Ten West, and they won 10 7. I'll just get my ugly out of the way too while we're talking about it. Um, just disgusting that that is your first place uh, division team. That was the seventh highest scoring game at Wrigley this year, Iowa Northwestern football. There were six higher scoring baseball games. Um, just disgusting. It's an affront to the Lord. Um, and I'm so glad it's going to be done forever after this year. Yeah, Iowa. Iowa has scored 81 points in conference play this year. That is the lowest tied with Michigan State. Uh, Indiana has four more points scored uh, in conference play. Truly shocking. And then, and then overall, uh, 166 points scored this season for Iowa is just two more than Michigan State and three less than Indiana as the three lowest in the Big Ten. Um, it was about as bad as it can get. I mean, really, this should just be the Big Ten outside of the Big Three. And truth be told, I don't think Penn State is a very good football team. Ohio State, I think, is waiting for the other shoe to drop at this point. And Michigan, I'm still not certain of because they've played exactly no one. Um, but it's been a bad year for the Big Ten overall. And that's saying something with the, the fact that they've really got the inside track to get at least one playoff team in uh, at this point in, in time. But it was a tough Saturday, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's really – we had some hope for Maryland, uh, but they're just yeah. – they're not good either, but I knew Michigan State sucked. I knew Indiana sucked. Um, right. You can't can't let them beat you if you're going for a division title. But that that is the world we live in. The other thing too about just the Big Ten in general, like over half the league would have had to fire Brian Ferentz this year because um, no no one is scoring points. Um, <laughs> like it's it's bad. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like I, I think it was eight of the. 10 lowest scoring uh, power five teams are in the big 10 and it's just, it's the big 10 West Indiana and Michigan state. It's like, yeah, this this tracks. I am watching this every week. So, <laughs> and uh, I see how you got there. Just remember the TV networks paid billions for this. So yeah. credit yeah, to them. Can't, can't get this in the pac 12. Nope. Uh, all right. So <laughs> what was your bad? And then uh, we can go to your ugly. We had the same ugly, so don't even okay. worry. It was, it was the Northwestern Iowa game. Um, my bad was Notre Dame's offense. 
This was a very winnable game and a game that Clemson really needed uh, <clears throat> to dispel some rumors that I saw online. No, this did not end Notre Dame's playoff hope. That was over already with the loss to Louisville, uh, believe it or not. But Sam Hartman, when he has been bad this year, he has been very bad and he was costly in this game. It just seems like they go away from what they're good at too often and, and try to try to change up the game. They fall behind early in this one against Clemson. They start throwing the ball a little bit more. They go away from Audric Estime, who had a pretty decent game. Sam Hartman actually did a lot with his legs, more than uh, we've really seen throughout the season. Seven carries, 68 yards. But you've got a stable of running backs that are good behind a very solid offensive line. Use it. Control the clock a little bit. Make Clemson's defense stay on the field. They just they simply didn't do it. And then when they needed Sam Hartman to make big throws, which was basically all game, he could not do it. Um, so really down from the high of early on this season when it looked like Sam Hartman was, you know, the best quarterback at Notre Dame since Brady Quinn or, you know, Deshaun Kaiser could at least be in that conversation to an extent. But uh, I think he's left a lot to be desired, and they've left a lot of points on the board this season, and that's really just been a story of the year for uh, Marcus Freeman's team. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's been about the same pace, uh, maybe a little better of the interceptions he was thrown every year at Wake, but the the good hasn't been there to to balance it yeah. out as much. Um, like, th this this was just exclusively – a bad game throwing the ball. His his best value was as a runner. Um, as he just he he has not had the the touchdown numbers this year that I think a lot of people were hoping for. A when he signed and B just the way he started the year. As we were talking about, like looked very strong out of the gate and, and kind of the the hope there was you know this is something different. Obviously he is he is still a better option a quarterback than what they have had recently. Um, like the the ceiling yep. is is significantly higher and, and you can pretty much expect something um, positive every week, but yeah, the, this, this was not it. And yeah, you know, th this is not the same kind of Clemson front seven that they have had under Dabo. So like that, that was somewhat vulnerable and, and able to be attacked. And when the Irish did run the ball, it was successful, but yeah, it's uh Trying to trying to make up every deficit immediately is just not always necessary um, yeah. to to win football games. And now he's zero five in his career against Clemson, so there's always that yeah. too. There you go, real real Hunter Dickinson, Illinois <clears throat> stat. Yeah. Um. All right. Best thing I saw. We've we've seen it before, but I love seeing it. Uh, Goalpost found water in Stillwater. Um, <laughs> Just, just always fun. Just a little, little casual vandalism. Always, always a good time. The fellows, the fellows love getting, yeah. getting the casual vandalism going. Dudes rock. Um, I'm going with Arkansas. First big, or excuse me, first SEC win of the year. Uh, they're finally on the board. They have played. Uh, they had lost, excuse me, six straight games, all of which, uh, except for the Texas A&M game. So five of those six were by one touchdown or less, including the just absolute 7-3 gem against Mississippi State last week. Uh, but they get the win on the road at Florida, 39-36, a real gut-check uh, kind of game in overtime. The, the Hogs hit a late field goal to force overtime, really 
nice back and forward game and then we're able to uh, find the end zone to win it. KJ Jefferson, who is still there and is still playing pretty good football, uh, had a nice game and uh, they were able to uh, beat up on or beat Graham Mertz and, and the Gators in that one. A bowl is still possible. Yeah. Will it happen? I don't know. I really can't I, say because I don't. I don't know what to make of a lot of the teams in the SEC. Like Florida, I think a couple weeks ago, you're like, all right, you know, Billy Napier is getting a lot of heat at the start of the season. Looks like things are chilling. They are not chilling. You just no. lost Arkansas at home, uh, who who we had previously left for dead. But I like Auburn is the worst five and four team probably in the history of college football. So that could be a win. FIU could be a win. Missouri, I don't know. If we're if we're saying you know throughout the record books since Missouri can't play Kansas and this is the next best thing, mm-hmm. maybe. But yeah, I mean this this was always a more talented uh, Arkansas team than the record would indicate. KJ Jefferson has been there for the much better times, um, and and he has the ability to be a much better quarterback. Uh, and you know, I don't I don't think the the way things have gone, I don't think Sam Pittman gets another year, um, but he's able to turn things around and get to a bowl. Maybe, maybe we have that conversation. Um, so this is at least a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. They're, they were, they were a fun team when they were good. Like when, when yeah. the hogs had it going, they were a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so it's, a, it's a shame to see what had happened uh, here in the, probably the end of the Sam Pittman era. So things like when there's no expectations, everything's just, Oh, this is awesome. So fun and yeah. unexpected. And then when, once you have the the burden of that, then uh yeah. then people start getting grumpier. Um it's just, mm-hmm. just the way of the world, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Uh favorite upsets. What was your uh your favorite upset of last week? You know where I'm going with this one. I, I think I went to the, the same place, yeah. <laughs> uh, Army, absolutely shocking Air Force. Uh, 23 to 3, every point of this game was scored in the first half. And it was really over pretty quick in the first quarter. I, I Both of these offenses, I mean, Air Force has had a prolific offense this year, especially in regards to Service Academy's style of play. Uh, but they just did not play well. Tons of turnovers in this game, really struggled uh, to hold on to the ball. Five fumbles, four of them lost and did not uh, throw the ball well, which is something that they have used uh, with Zach Larrier to to really kind of change up and more modernize this offense. 24 pass attempts, just 10 completions and two interceptions in this game. Uh, Army, again, a team that I talked about last week as someone who was really struggling, who has had uh, pretty good expectations for each of their seasons, given how good Jeff Munkin has done there. Uh, and now moving into the American, this is exactly the kind of win that you want to see uh, ending the undefeated season and giving them a chance to win the Commanders and Ch- Commander-in-Chief trophy uh, this year with uh, everyone's favorite game, America's game, later on this season against uh, the Naval Academy. Yeah, it was mine as well. Six turnovers uh, forced by the defense, just domination. Service Academy under just everything you could uh, you could hope for. It was perfect. Troops over the troops. Um, all right, week eleven. We're just going to go off the AP poll. We've got four games right now. Um, some big ones. Two top ten matchups. We'll start in the SEC. Georgia 
Ole Miss, Ole Miss still just the the one loss on the season to Alabama. Can they pull the upset here? I'm going to say yes. I went through all this talk wow. talking about Georgia. I think Georgia's good. I do think Georgia's good, but I it just feels different right now with how Ole Miss is playing on both sides of the ball. I know they struggled uh, this past weekend and really got lucky, I think you could say, against Texas A&M, but that was a clear look-ahead spot against a, an inferior opponent. I like what Judkins is doing. If he can really take the pressure off uh, and allow them to to kind of open up the passing game. I think Ole Miss has a real good shot to win this one. And I think this is what Lane has been building towards. Jackson Dart, again, has had a pretty solid season through the air, something you know that's quietly gone on that not a lot are talking about. Um, but he's got a great running back as well. And if they can control the clock a little bit offensively, uh, I think they learned a lot in the loss at Alabama. I think this is, you know, obviously a second chance to to really make a statement here. And if if they get some good production on the ground, I think they've got a shot to win this game. So I'm going to take Ole Miss. I'm going to go with Georgia. But, yeah, I mean, Jackson Dart is having a good year. That's why Spencer Sanders can't see the field. Um, mm -hmm. He's just he's languishing over there. But um, I'm going to stick with Georgia till till they lose, basically. I think yeah. that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, the sooner Brock Bowers comes back, the – more comfortable everyone in Athens will feel, but yeah. they're getting through uh, this season unscathed so far. And yeah, I th think that'll, that'll continue. I just almost, I just still, even though they are a bit improved defensively, just, I, I don't, I don't see them having enough to, to keep up with Georgia here. Um, I do like them hanging a, an L on Jimbo uh, last week though. That was that was heartwarming for the whole family, but uh, great. yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it'll happen this week for him. Mm -hmm. Michigan, Penn State, uh, Penn State failed in their their first kind of crack at uh, one of the top two in the Big Ten East, and they fell to Ohio State. They get this one at home. Any shot at a different result here? No, I think Michigan big. I, I don't think Penn State's a good football team. I've said it before. I, I, this is—I'm not going to use the word fraud, but they're not—they're not nearly as good as I think a lot of people are giving them credit for. It will be a raucous environment, but the—the the big loss here is it's Big Newt Saturday. Uh, this, as a night game, I think gives Penn State a chance. During the day, I think Michigan rolls. Uh, that just the way that they're humming right now—they've got an us against the world mentality, which they really didn't need, but the media has given them, and it is uh, a galvanizing moment and something that they can all uh, work behind and. If Drew Aller plays anywhere near the game he played against Ohio State against a better, I think, Michigan defense, this will get ugly fast. So I'm going to take Michigan. Yeah, I'm going to go Michigan as well. I, it'll be – I don't even know if I want to say competitive, but I would say like their, their most competitive game. But, yeah, yeah, I, I struggle kind of making all the – different iterations and matchups that we've seen already work in such a way that makes sense for Penn state to challenge Michigan. And mm -hmm. it's a home game. That's about it. But I don't think that's going to be enough. Like you almost lost to Indiana at home. You're not, you're not that good of a team. Um, and yeah, I, Penn state's offense has been plagued by, you know, 
mediocrity, lack of explosive plays uh, for much of the season. I don't think Michigan's going to be the week where you suddenly figure that out. Um, I, I think, if anything, the opportunity is there to be bottled up even more. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like Michigan here uh, by double digits. Yeah, I think the big question is, do we actually learn anything about Michigan this week? Like, is there enough hopefully shown from Penn State <laughs> that we can actually learn something about Michigan? And I, I agree. Hopefully is my answer as well. So we're running out of time otherwise. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really their, their whole season is this week and Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. That's, that's really it. Um, they, they hit the lot, especially since Maryland is just not going to be anything anymore. I'm, I'm really like, if, if that's just the trap games of all trap games, maybe, but I don't know if Maryland can bring enough um, to be super competitive at this point. I, I think they're, they're kind of on the path of simming to the end of the season. Like they just yep. got boat raced, gave up 50 plus to Penn state. I don't think they'll do too much better against Michigan. Um, so yeah, it's Penn state's gotta, gotta get Michigan to show something. Um, that's, that's really all we're rooting for here. I think. Yeah, exactly. Washington, Utah, um, just the, the weekly ranked matchup in the Pac-12. Utah got back on its feet a little bit last week, uh, just hammering Arizona State. Um, seems like kind of everyone's taking turns, beat up, beating up on the Sun Devils. Um, Washington, as we mentioned, just coming off that win against USC, still undefeated. Um, does Utah have enough to keep up with Washington here? If Bryson Barnes plays like he did last week, they will have a shot in this game. Against good defenses, he has not done that so far this year. I don't see it happening again. Uh, I think Washington wins. I do think it'll be close, uh, but I think Washington will end up winning. Probably probably similar to the USC game. Not in a shootout, but uh, ended up as a double-digit win, even though it was uh, you know back and forward, a bit closer game. Yeah, I, I just I don't think Utah has enough to play in a shootout unless it's going up against USC's run defense. Uh, right. I just I, I think Washington for mo- most of the year has been solid. Like the the one knock you can say is they've been you know playing a little close to their competition, playing down to it in some instances, uh, making these games maybe closer than people feel they should be. But right. um, you know can't really say that about the Arizona game anymore. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, I think no one has really been effective in slowing down the offense. Um, and I don't think Utah will be able to, to the level they would need to, to give their offense a chance. Um, because right. yeah, it's like when they've gone up against quote unquote tough teams, like, Oregon State, Oregon, um, it's, it's been kind of a, a familiar result. Washington's defense, not quite as good um, as that perhaps, but it's still a, a challenge that I don't think Utah is going to be able to overcome. Lastly, on the SEC East, we've got uh, Tennessee, Missouri. Um, Tennessee in basketball would have had a big win. They just blew out UConn um, and have been just slowly inching back up there. A um, couple 
notable misfires. Um, they, they would really, 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 really love to have that uh, Florida game back at this point in the season because everything else has, uh, has pretty much been holding serve um, before kind of a, a tough stretch here to start the or to finish the year. Uh, game's going to be at Missouri. Who do you like here? Uh, I think as much as it pains me, I think Missouri finally gets their big win. Like they have been searching for uh, for something to to hang their hat on. They've had a couple opportunities and they've fallen flat. I think getting back home, getting Brady Cook back on track, Schrader. Uh, has continued, like I said, to run the ball well. This is a, a solid Tennessee defense, but I think Joe Milton on the road is not someone I'm confident in betting in, so I'm going to take Missouri in a tight game. They have been struggling a bit on the road, but even so, I'm not even going to let Missouri have this. I'm going <laughs> to go Tennessee. Um, don't think I'll make it all the way to Sedgwick stop this weekend, but we'll be uh, – We'll be keeping tabs on this, and I, I, I do think I do think Tennessee is playing well, um, with, with really the exception, like the the second half of the Alabama game um, was just a complete departure from what got them there. But um, ever since the Florida game, they've been playing outstanding football, and I think that'll continue here. This will be this will be a close game. Um, yeah, I'm not that confident in it, um, but I, I do I do expect the the Vols to come out with a win here. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, this is the uh, the opening day of the college basketball season. So now that the football talk is over, do a a quick little dive into uh, the Power Six conferences, which of course is the football Power Five in the Big East. Um, should know that by now, but have to yep. say that for some. Um, all right, so kind of similar what we did with uh, football this year. Just gonna go down the list really give our uh our conference champ picks uh preseason picks for each and uh we'll get out of here but uh start at the top ACC uh who do you think's going to win the league this year it's duke it's it's boring but it's duke uh they return what four starters from last season's team they have maybe the player of the year in Kyle Filipowski they add in a ton of talent in terms of freshmen to just continue the pipeline of five stars. John Shire, I, th- I think I saw a tweet the other day. It's like in 18 months on the job, John Shire's already landed 11 five-star recruits. It, it just continues uh, to happen. This will be a good team. They've got solid guards. Proctor is back. Jeremy Roach is back again. Uh, they've got really nice balance across the floor, and I think – uh, that they're going to be able to uh, win the league. They, they will have slip-ups. That's that's classic. It's what we've seen from these younger teams. Uh, but the question is, can Jeremy Roach and company find ways to to kind of uh, right the ship mid-game and not let these get away from them like they did last year a little bit uh, as they had a good season but certainly left some on the table? Yeah, and I, I think there are pieces in this freshman class that are – better able to come in and contribute right away compared to kind of what they had last year uh, with, with lively and whitehead. Um, yeah. Which is even more aggravating if you're an opponent, but yeah, I, I hate how much I like this Duke team. Um, they're going to be very tough for everyone in the conference. And, and yeah, I just, I, I think Jeremy Roche is a good, 
sort of calming presence um, at times last year. He looked to continue more of the role. Tyrese Proctor is is going to emerge even more as a contributor. And like you go, you go through the roster, you go through the returnees, the uh, uh, five stars for them that they're they're adding, and then you know you're like, oh yeah, now just we also have Mark Mitchell coming back. Um, it's just that contributors all over the place, um, and and Duke's going to be very tough. Um, ACC is going to be interesting. North Carolina, probably the biggest. What will they be in the country? Um, pivotal yeah. crossroads here for for Hubert Davis. Um, but I, I think put Duke up against anyone in that conference, they're they're heavy favorites right now. Um, and I I think they'll they'll only get better as as the season goes along. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Really intrigued to see them in Miami square up because that is such a yeah. you know contrasting style uh, styles of play there with the guard heavy lineup for the Canes. All right, Big East. Um, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you go first on this one again. This is your. It's your neck of the woods. Who, who you? Uh, who do you like to win the Big East? It's. I think it's a legit three-team race at the top of the Big East. I think Villanova is just outside of those three, but it's Marquette, UConn, and Creighton. I struggled with this, but I'm going to go with Marquette. I think they return the best backcourt in the country. Uh, Tyler Kolick is certainly one of the best, if not the best, point guards in the league. Uh, and and the entire country overall. Cam Jones is everything you want in a score. Stevie Mitchell provides a ton. Oso Iguodaro can play all over the floor, really stretch it out. It hurts losing Omax Prosper, a guy that could have come back to this team and probably would have made them uh, preseason number one if he was returning. But there is a ton to like about Shaka's squad. I think uh, they were disrespected last year. They showed up and showed out. And now I think this is the opportunity with uh, a bit of a target on their back, even with the defending national champs in their conference uh, to really emphasize how good of a team this is. Yeah, they're, they're going to be tough again. I'd, I've got Creighton here. Um, I, I I think Marquette is obviously very talented, going to be a pain in the ass to teams all year. And obviously Shaka hoping for a deeper tournament run. UConn. Klingon is probably the guy in the country who's going to have the biggest statistical leap um, just by mm-hmm. virtue of playing more minutes. I, I don't think there's any chance he can keep on a, the pace of his uh, per 40, but um, just kind of being a, a bigger contributor, he's going to be a load for a lot of teams. Um, I do think UConn lost a lot last year and even, you know, bringing in Castle, some of the other guys, that's that's going to be really tough to, to replace. So I, I think... They're going to be up there, but I, I like Creighton. And Creighton lost a lot, too. The Nemhard one really stings. Um, right. Bluma going to Kansas State. But um, you, you bring back a lot of the core still. You know, if you can get a full year out of Kalkbrenner, he's still one of the best bigs in the country. And, you know, Shireman does a little bit of everything. Trey Alexander is a great pro prospect. And then yeah. bringing in uh, Ashworth from Utah State, Um probably asking him to, to play a little different role perhaps than, than he did with the Aggies, but kind of an opportunity, more help in the backcourt that you're losing with Nemhard. Um, and I mean, he should thrive in a Greg McDermott offense. So I think it's going to be, this is going to be a really fun race. Um, I, I think Duke is above the ACC pretty clearly. Um, these are three really good teams, really tight. Um, 
in terms of separation, but I, I like Creighton just a little bit more than than Marquette here. Yeah, I, I like the pieces they've got. I think Providence is getting slept on as well, but that's that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> DePaul, obviously. Of course. Just way Paul. underground. Uh, all right. So Big 12. Um, it's we're we're getting back to Kansas just over everybody else. Um, it's the default pick. Um, should not be the preseason number one team anymore because they lost to Illinois in the uh, the charity exhibition. But um, look, looking at the rest of the Big Twelve, there there are some challengers, obviously. But you bring in a transfer like Hunter Dickinson, he is just like even his bad games are you know, pushing a double-double or something like that. He is remarkably consistent. You know exactly what you're going to uh, get out of him every night. You bring in some outside support in the transfer portal as well. Nick Timberlake out of Towson, highly coveted, um, good shooter. And then you've, you've got guys to fill in the pieces. You know, Harris is Bill Self's, like, favorite guard, it seems like. And, you know, what he does doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but – he helps them find ways to win. And, you know, KJ Adams back, um, Kevin McCuller on the wing. They've got a lot of pieces they can kind of plug in in those wing and guard positions and, and give you different looks. And it's just all centered around Hunter Dickinson. So they're probably one of those teams where it's like out of the gate as we, I mean, as we saw at Illinois, it might be a little rocky. Um, it's kind of just trying to fit all the, the new pieces together. Bill Self figures out, which lineups work best, but once you get into conference play and obviously towards the postseason, I, I would expect this to be, you know, one of, if not the best team in the country. So I, I think it's going to be another big 12 title for Kansas. Yeah, I'm with you. I am really intrigued by Dewan Harris just to see what he does this year. Obviously the loss of Jalen Wilson hurts. He, he was kind of a do it all guy for them. Grady Dick, really good shooter. Can they replace that type of production and that type of uh, offensive ability? Dick shot 40% from three last year. Um, but it's just, it's it's time for other guys to step up. This is kind of more a more uh, typical <clears throat> Bill Self roster makeup. They've got a reliable big man now that they can point to. Uh, they've really got two with KJ Adams as well down there. Um, Hunter Dickinson can obviously stretch the floor and, and play a little bit outside. Uh, he's comfortable with the ball in his hands, so... They, they should be able to play a pretty fluid and, and fun style of basketball this season, much more uh, similar to the Bill Self teams we, we've seen in the past. Yeah, and I, I, I think the Big 12 as a whole also might take a tiny step back this year. Um, just the, the like top 10 teams in the preseason, you're like – you look, you look at what Texas might have, what Houston might have, what Baylor might have, um, and then it's it's kind of some question marks. Like Kansas State came out of nowhere last year. Will another team sort of do that? Um, you know, yeah. Maybe Kansas State. I don't know. Um, but but right right now, Kansas looks pretty solid. Yeah, I think you, you look at the top of the league, you see a lot of uh, solid to great teams, and then the bottom of the league really leaves a lot to be desired. The, the newcomers are going to uh, have a rude awakening. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, much like it was for, for football for most of them. Right. Unfortunately, this, this is what happens. TCU went through it. You'll get through it. Take your lumps. Recruiting will catch up eventually. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
Big Ten. Uh, I think it's it's pretty clearly a two team race. I would I would think I think Illinois is going to be pretty feisty. Um, I I don't think they're going to have enough to kind of be in it for for the whole season. I'm not picking Purdue because they're not the best team. That that would be Michigan State. Um, it's they're they're just not a Big Ten team, and I mean that as the highest compliment. It's kind of what we were talking about with their uh, run last year. It's like they are equipped right to play basketball and not just win rock fights. Um, they've got mm-hmm. an incredibly deep and talented backcourt. The guys are bringing back obviously uh, Walker, Aikens, Hogard from that run, and then you're adding talented freshmen and Jeremy Fears and, and kind of similar thing in the the uh, front court you're you've got Sissoko who is talented and and had flashes could could use a little more development so you bring in a five star Xavier Booker um hated to see him leave the state but Tom Izzo is gonna gonna do a good job with him and they are they can run they just have better guard play than anyone in the conference um and that's that's going to be key because they're. It's not like a Tom Izzo team is going to get beat up on the inside. They are one of the best rebounding teams every single year. Um, I mean that that's not going to change this year, and they can they can beat you from the perimeter. So that's that's going to be the differentiating factor in a league like the Big Ten. Um, I just Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer will get eaten alive. Um, I don't know if they play an East Lansing this year, but if they do. That will happen um, going up against these guards. I'm going to take the bet. I'm going to take Purdue. I'm going to wow. do it. I, I think Zach Eady is clearly the best player in the conference. I am willing to bet that Purdue picks up their three-point shooting. Last year was pretty much a historically bad three-point shooting team for Purdue, especially their uh, standards that they have there. Normally pretty solid shooting the ball from the outside. I am willing to bet that that backcourt takes a step forward, is able to hit a couple more jump shots uh, and, and really help space the floor a little better. The question, it was very clear what their weakness was. It was guard play, and it was more more specifically uh, being able to take care of the basketball. Any team that pressed them had a, had a field day. They need to figure that out. If they can't figure that out, it's going to be a very long season for Purdue, and they will be found out pretty quick. Yeah, I will say, if you're, if you're starting two guards as a Big Ten team, they're freshmen. They're going to get better, and definitely Smith and Lawyer will. I yeah. just, I have no ill will towards Purdue. I cannot say that enough. Um, but I just have a hard time trusting them. Kind of like what you're saying with Duke. Like, if things aren't going well, are they going to stick within their game plan? Are they going to actually run sets? They're going to run an offense, or is it just let's dribble down, dump it into Zach Eady, see what happens? Because um, they do have a tendency in varying situations to play tight against pressure. They they've played pretty tight. Um, when, when things aren't going their way, um, the, the supporting cast does not support. It's like, yeah, Zach save us. Um, and a lot of times he does, he's very good. He's a very good college player. Um, but that can't be the entire formula. Um, and you know, that's, that's what has led to some early exits, certainly led to last year's early exit. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you, you need better 
uh, performances from the guards. You cannot rely on Mason Gillis to be a three-point shooter. It's got to come from Smith and Lawyer. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, Mad Painter's rolling the dice. He's he's running it back. Um, no real big transfer portal splashes, and that's that's kind of the Purdue way. Um, so not not yeah. necessarily surprised by that. But yeah, it's just Zach Eady's great. Can't do it all. Um, but I just. I think even even an improvement with their supporting cast, I, I think they'll probably still come up short uh, to the Spartans. Pac-12. This uh, last year, the Pac-12, everyone is is just going to go their separate ways. Um, football took a step forward. You could argue basketball took a step back. There's uh, a lot of question yeah. marks. We come into this season. Who do you think is going to win the league? Uh, the, I really like Arizona. One. I'm cutting yeah. you off immediately. I love Arizona. <laughs> I think this team is final four good. I have thought that before, and it's come back to bite me in the ass. Um, they've lost a lot, but they bring in a number of intriguing pieces. Caleb Love is is obviously very interesting by way of Michigan from North Carolina, as we all remember very vividly. Uh, Omar Ballo, like that's a great inside out duo there alone. Like those two guys are enough to keep you in most games. And I think uh, you're going to see a step forward from a lot of the supporting cast, big roster turnover, but with the style of play that they have, I think it's easier for guys to kind of get involved in and implement themselves in the system. So I'm going to take Arizona. I'm going to go Arizona as well. And I, I think, yeah, like it's, it's just, they were my favorite team to watch last year for a lot of the year. Um, and, yeah. You know, maybe losing to Bellis, you, you won't be quite as dominant inside, but you get some much needed spacing. And that's what Caleb Love brings you as well. Um, I was not a fan of Kirk Kreese. I thought he lost them more games than he won. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Caleb Love gives you a little more like, I am being serious. He gives you more consistency um, from the outside. And that, that was where, Arizona is an, another team like Purdue. It's like kind of the, the story of the last couple of years in college basketball is outstanding big men. But at the end of the day, you still have to have perimeter options yeah. to kind of take away some of the pressure. And they, they were a team that was built tied so closely to Balo and to Bellis. And those guys would dominate and get like 40 and 20 every night. But when you needed someone to hit a shot, you couldn't really rely on anybody. Um, so hopefully Caleb Love does – a little bit of that. Boswell is probably going to take a uh, a statistical step forward. Pal Larson when he's back on the court, um, and just you know the the Tommy Lloyd uh, Foreigner Express will will keep rolling. But it's yeah. it's just yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a, a different looking um, Pac-12. It's like a lot of a lot of youth being relied on um, in USC. Colorado is actually a really intriguing team. Um, they might benefit from the league not being quite as strong, uh, maybe making a run at it. UCLA has got a lot of new pieces. Uh, it be interesting to see how those fit together. But, yeah, it's Arizona's got Balo, probably going to be the best player in the league. Um, and you can kind of figure out everything else after that. Tommy Lloyd is a, a coach I would trust over most in the country to do that. Yeah. Uh, lastly, SEC. So this is uh, this is a team that I just 
absolutely love and have loved more and more. And it's gotten to the point where it's, uh, you know, Charlie Brown kicking the football uh, from Lucy, but I'm, I'm going, I'm going to do it again. Tennessee. I've actually, this, this is, this is my team uh, during, during the, the transfer portal wars of the summer. Um, I saw two notable things happen. Well, only one of them's relevant anymore, but we'll, we'll mention both. Uh, Indiana was in some recruiting battles with Tennessee uh, for a couple of very talented small forwards, Chris Ledlam, Dalton Necht, lost both of them. And after losing the Dalton Necht one, it's like, all right, maybe Tennessee will have an offense. Um, let's just throw a 30 to one future on them, uh, which I did. And of course, Chris Ledlam immediately leaves to St. John's, but Tennessee looked really freaking good against Michigan state. Um, so I'm, I'm still feeling good about that. Like, um, and that was without all league guards, Biscovi and Ziegler, um, who are, who are going to play and be big contributors, you know, the, the defense might suffer a little bit, but that's okay if you can actually play something that's more free-flowing basketball. Um, you know, Necta had 28 against Michigan State in a variety of ways. Obviously, the, the highlight reel poster, but um, he he's going to help that team. You've got another scoring threat on the perimeter in Jordan Ganey. Um, obviously a big step up in competition. He looked pretty solid against Michigan State, so if you can give anywhere in that neighborhood, that's great. Um, they've got a lot of big bodies in the front court again. Um, so even if it's not the best defense in the SEC, it's going to be good enough um, to, to win a lot of games. And then you have a much better offense uh, than you – would in most years. Um, and I know they looked amazing in the exhibition last year. Uh, that Gonzaga team was not very good, especially defensively. I'm very high on Michigan State. Ergo, I have to be very high on Tennessee as well. So going with the Vols to win the conference. I want to so bad, but they I just hate hate watching them play offense so much. I, I'm hopeful that it takes a step forward, like you said. But I'm going to deal with the team that undoubtedly has the most talent on its roster, and that's Arkansas. I am willing to bet that Musk puts it together. This team returns a ton from last year for the top eight scorers, and they add a couple of five-star freshmen. They add Tremont Mark from Houston, who is a great addition. L. Ellis, who is a, literally the only guard on the Louisville roster last year. Uh, he will enjoy having some help here. They can go through legit platoons and play two different squads most of the night and really ratchet up the pressure and on the, on the defensive end of the ball. Uh, I am excited to see how Muss handles this uh, in terms of just minutes and, and playing style, but I anticipate a very free flowing and fun style of basketball from this Arkansas team. Everyone's going to have a chance to, to contribute early, I imagine. And, and maybe he'll tighten his rotation as the season goes on, but this team, is very good and should be able to get them to a fourth straight Sweet 16. And you would hope, certainly, that it would be easier for him to get buy-in from guys like Ellis and Mark, who have you know already played college basketball. Um, yeah, I would presume not everyone coming to Arkansas thinking they are going to be the star because they do usually have a, a pretty deep roster. Um, it's a yeah. good problem to have. But yeah, I, I definitely agree that Arkansas will be 
a better regular season team than they were last year and kind of in the mix more um, for a conference championship. Uh, and, you know, Kentucky is going to be really interesting to see what they turn out to be too. Um, you know, it's a, it's probably a top to bottom weaker freshman recruiting class, but they do have the best one. Um, so that's, mm-hmm. that's got to count for something. Um, yeah. And, you know, we'll see what Cal can do. Alabama's going to be tough. Auburn's going to be frisky. It's a uh, and M even, I mean, much as it pains me to say it, they'll, they'll be, uh, they'll be noteworthy. Florida went out and was active in the transfer portal. Um, this is, as you see, is a really fun league. It's not breaking news, but it's a, it's a race that that's going to be very fascinating to watch. I would say Big East and the SEC, probably the the two races in whatever order that I'm, I'm most fascinated to follow. Um, I think the SEC has the most teams that could be candidates to win the league um, as we look at it right now. Um, it's, it's fairly wide open. Um, not to say that there are no good teams. There are a lot of good teams. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's going to be a lot of fun to to monitor as we uh, as we get through this season. It's finally here. Yep. Uh, so that'll that'll do it for this week on this show. So going forward, we'll have football, we'll have basketball, both of the beautiful games, um, and we will get started on that next week. Everyone enjoy the uh, the opening week, the college basketball season.